footy and frothy's review show round 10 a magic round is in the books boys we look back on an interesting round maybe not the best round of football i've seen all year maybe it was it's definitely the best one i've seen live uh, so <laughs> barney ollie and uh, cal subbing in for gump this week to look back on all of it as well as a big news week of rugby league ollie how are you yeah, I'm all right. When my computer's not turning itself off by itself, I'm, I'm doing all right. Cal, welcome back to the show. What's been happening? Not much. I'm good. I'm excited to be back on. It's been a long while between stints. It, it has been, yeah. And Barn, um, first Magic Round Hello attendance. Again. Hello. Long time no see. Not like we've uh, <laughs> spent a yeah, whole bunch of time together wrong. lately. But uh, what, how do you enjoy Magic Round? Oh, the ground, the atmosphere, everything that was going on around the ground was fantastic. Um, there was a few moments here and there that you wish didn't happen, but <laughs> mainly the Sharks playing the worst game of the, of the season, <laughs> followed by the Tigers not far behind them. So, yeah, it was uh, no, it was a fantastic experience. Definitely something that you want, if you haven't done, you, I'd recommend that you, you do at least once before you decide to give away the game of rugby league. Yeah, no, I, uh, I can't recommend it highly so enough. How are you, mate? Yeah, I loved it. Uh, lots of, having done it once, there's lots of things I'll do differently a second time. Uh, but the footy itself was entertaining enough, if not uh, long in the tooth by the end of it. Maybe the crowd was what caught up with us, but uh, it was definitely, I'd be more than happy to do that as an annual <laughs> pilgrimage. But I think I would. that would be just about my fill of live rugby league for the year afterwards. Uh, but Suncorp... Uh, maybe a bit, Suncorp is great, but maybe, if not a bit old now, compared to your Bank Wests. Uh, but I thought it was all um, definitely about the hype. Some good, a uh, few of our mates up there we caught up with here and there uh, when they weren't in the pokies. But uh, very good experience. And, yeah, as I said, big, big thumbs up. I think we'll talk more about the... So we'll have some live takes as we get to the match reviews, I guess. Where a few things that you, you might not always pick Absolutely. up on TV that stood out live. But, um, yeah, not much has happened in the World of Rugby League in the last 48 hours, has it? Not really. I think, I think that just about sums it up. <laughs> okay, cool. We'll get straight to a preview. Uh, now, what do... Well, we should touch on the Bulldogs first. Trent Barrett is, has resigned, allegedly, or if not jumping before he was pushed, which has seen um, a few other tiles fall already, Brent Naden's gone to the Tigers effective immediately. The strength and conditioning coach came out and bagged everyone and it probably looks like he's on the way out. And from the sounds of it, there's more to follow. <laughs> uh, Barn, your initial thoughts on all of it? It was just a matter of time, wasn't it? I think he was marking time from the start of the year. Um, I, I really don't think it's... It's probably not the time to do it, to be honest. Um for mine, I would have liked to have seen the, um, them have all their ducks in a row and basically one coach out and the one that's coming in to take his spot comes straight in behind him. I don't see what a caretake, caretaker coach does for them for the rest of the season, to be honest. Um, Just look at what if anything, it target. probably pushes their progression. Yeah. <laughs> well, really, realistically, it just pushes their progression back for another six months. It's pretty simple. I would it's... imagine. Um, like, cause... Sorry, Gunn. Unless they've got a game plan that they, in a style of play that they know that the new coach wants to implement when he comes in, it really doesn't make a lot of sense to have a caretaker in there for the rest of the season. But 
all it is is they're not, they don't want to throw anyone else under the bus beforehand. They don't want to bring a, a coach in. I won't throw, throw any names around because we've heard, we've heard. I'll go through some of the speculated names later. But if you were to bring in someone and then they were going to run last anyway, it, there's no upside for them all of a sudden either. So I'd say it's just giving someone a fresh slate. Uh, who knows if we see. Similar what happened at Penrith under the hooker area. You might see a Mick Potter who's been appointed the interim coach to the end of the year. If he does suddenly win 10 games, maybe his name's in the ring. Well, my dirty, dirty conspiracy theory is that Shane Flanagan wants to finish up the year at Fox and then he'll be there next year. I think at least I think that's what Gus would want um, because I heard, I forget which team he was linked with at the start of the year. And there was a report that came out he didn't want to actually coach this year because I believe it's his last year on his contract with Fox as a pundit. So I think maybe he sort of wants to see that out. I think it works out as well for the Bulldogs not to bring someone in straight away. Um, But that's my theory. But I'm also just happy because I finally got asked. I brought it up on the podcast before, but um, finally got asked to end the bet where I would have had to get a Bulldogs tattoo on my ass if they finished ninth or above. So um, Bulldogs fans are feeling pretty confident at the moment. I've not ended the bet. I sort of want it to keep going. But if I do, they'll probably run ninth. But anyway, so I'm happy. Any thoughts, Cal? Um, Yeah, it's just... I don't know. I don't know what the direction is really for the dogs, to be honest. But I do think Shane Flanagan would be a, a pretty good appointment. I think they should get the coach in now, personally. But yeah, I don't really know what they do for the next 16 rounds if they're not putting a coach in now. Well, I think they just put up the white flag, don't they? Okay. Um, well, <laughs> I, I, I'd agree with Cal to an extent there, where I think. Maybe it's not necessarily bringing in a coach at the end of the season, but you could afford to wait a few weeks if there was someone maybe other than Shane Flanagan they wanted to bring in. Just, just let the water settle a bit, bring the whoever the coach is in and say the rest of the season's a write-off, which Gus Gould, I'm not sure if you guys have seen the statement Gus put out a few hours ago, but he said we're going to lose more games than we win for the next few for pretty much the rest of the season um, and that Bulldogs fans have to be patient. So even Gus now is coming out and saying right off 2022 and we'll look to start again next year. But isn't that what the Bulldogs have pretty much been saying halfway through the season every year for the past three or four years? It could well be that, well, the other, well, the names have been linked. Obviously, Paul Green's apparently been interviewed. Um, Shane Flanagan's obvious. Uh, Phil Rothfield reported Michael Maguire is one. His contract with the Tigers ends at the end of this year. Maybe they're just waiting for him and maybe Flanagan ends up at the Tigers. Uh, Brad Fittler has denied, or, or but denied, um, being in involvement there, but he also said his focus, I think he basically said, oh, I'm worrying about the Blues for now, which could mean maybe he finishes the year as a New South Wales coach and then does have the history with, um, with Gus through Easts and Penrith. Um, so maybe they're waiting for... One of those could be if you're a real conspiracy theorist. Could be Chuck Mundine. He's the one who's put <laughs> put his hand up publicly, so wouldn't he be the favourite right now? Apparently, um, there was an abundance of oxygen, so I had to steal some this week. Um, <laughs> what realistic? Uh, we'll we'll talk about the actual. It'll tie in a little bit. We'll talk about the actual Bulldogs review during the match, but realistically, what's going to change? Because then they say, "Oh, look at this! They're going to clear the decks. Going to have seven million dollars to spend next year." 
who are they going to buy? Like, you hear this every hour, oh, we've got a war chest of funds. They're going to get rid of Dufty and TPG and Vaughan, all these people. Um, who are they going to buy? The Dolphins can't. So Dolphins have a full salary cap and can't sign players. Who, who do they think they're going to produce out of nowhere? I've got no clue, and I'll tell you what, those um, those players you just brought up as players that they might be looking to wash out of the club or get rid of are players that were supposed to fix the problem this year. They only all came in this year. So I think at this point with the Bulldogs, because I swear it's been at least the last three years where they've gone, we're building for next season and fans get hyped for the next year because they make a bunch of signings and then they finish in the bottom four every year. I think they really need to change this mentality of just we'll sign a bunch of players for the next year, not worry about the rest of this year, and then it'll all come good because it doesn't. Anyone else got some thoughts? Well, that I think that's directly linked to the coach themselves. Um, if they want to, if they're looking for a plan three or four years down the road, they need. I think they need to separate the recruitment from the coaching completely because the coach is just trying to get as many players as he can in and hope that they do a job for him. Whereas if you're looking at a long-term plan over three to five years, you need someone there that's not worried about losing their job in the next twelve months and putting together a roster and then just giving it to the coach and going, "There you go, mate. Do your best with that. We understand you're limited with what you've got, but." You know, you've got two or three years to work it out and I'll be here trying to get you the best team I can. But, you know what I mean? Um, I, I can't see anyone apart from Flanagan and, or Paul Green taking the position. Um, I'd be surprised if uh, Flanagan does take the position, to be honest. I think he might, might want to distance himself from someone that's so far down the bottom of the um, competition and look at possibly um, coming in and maybe taking someone like Brad Arthur's job if he doesn't finish in the top four at the end of this year, to be honest. But um, the, the issue, yeah. I think the issue with the Dogs is they're, they're board-driven as well. They have their board election every two years. And I think, uh, or, or club member-driven, I should say, they have the the members come in and vote every year. I think as soon as they're not in eight halfway through the year before, everyone jumps up and downs and want, wants it to change. They actually get a chance to to change. Like I, I remember when we first started the show, we used to, I think we started rapping Dean Pay regularly with the squad he had. Um, what a good job he was actually producing. Yeah. And they were winning games by the time um, he got the arse. So like, they had a poor start to a year and they got rid of him. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, we saw them in the weekend. They offered close to zero, and um, they were, they hadn't improved this year, which is is a simple, you know, I can see how it's ended up this way. Is there any more to talk about this club apart from wait and see? Not really. I think we covered it. Uh, yeah. yeah. They need two or three players in... Um... In, well, they need two or three in key positions, which they, they should spot, get like in Mahoney need, and kick out. But yeah, they still need a, they need a few more after that seven. as well. So. Yeah. Um, David yeah. Kidwell has left Parramatta, assistant coach there for Rugby Union. Good, good friend of the show, Danan's quite excited about it because he thinks it'll change the defensive structure. Um, does it actually mean anything? Just <laughs> a nice job for Kidwell. Oh, he's a defensive coach. He obviously, he's, gonna, he's um, given... Got himself an upgrade in his position over at Argentina, uh, Argentinian rugby there somewhere, I think. So um, he'll he'll live a good life, I would imagine, travelling around the world and <laughs> living it up with the Argentinian rugby team. I don't know how it changes Parramatta's defensive um, 
I honestly don't think that the defensive structure is too bad at Parramatta. I think it's just there's quite a few different spot players in different positions that can't tackle that well. So I don't know how much a defensive structure can help a few of those guys out. So. Well, do they know who's coming in or who's replacing nah, Kidwell no as of yet? No I wouldn't no be idea. jumping up and no down idea. and staying in just no. yet until I saw who the replacement was. But anyway. I assume they just moved someone else that's already there into... I would think so. Yeah. Jake Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> Defensive coach. Yeah, good. Uh, Craig Bellamy extended for another year. He'll coach again in 2023, be there to at least 2027, but um, he'll be going around once more. Uh, you know, good for them. Judiciary news. <laughs> Everyone just took a fine, so we can move on from that. Uh, signing or oh, injury news. It looks like Radley could be at least six weeks. It's Cindersmosis, puts him out of origin, uh, who Fitler seems to suggest he'd be there. I wouldn't have picked him, but anyway, we can all move on. Yeah, on form, he was probably a few down the run, I would imagine. Fanukin uh, will miss this week at least with uh, HIA. Uh, Luke Brooks, Hammy is going to be two to three weeks at least. Uh, Jake Simpkins, a couple of weeks. Uh, Jacob Host, at least two months. Not good for Souse. I think they might need all the help they can get in the next few weeks. And Did we see the footage, boys? Yeah. That was pretty intense. Yeah. There's a video around with the host's shoulder being put back I in. I did see that it, was, yeah. Uh, yeah. You see <laughs> that, Cal? Boy, mate, that, that's got to oh, hurt. I, that. no, I saw him come off, but I don't want to see the, the shoulder I'll pass. No. Um, I think yeah. Mansell's <laughs> out two to three weeks as a result of that, as a result of watching it. So... Um, <laughs> he wasn't impressed. <laughs> and uh, Ben Travojevic is out for a month as well for Manly. Uh, he was actually right in the weekend um, for Manly, but it's a different story. It's been okay the last these two games. Any other news? Oh, Not cool. the top of my head. Magic round. Uh, as we said, Barney and Barney and myself were there for all bar the first half of the South game, which we watched. From the Prince Alfred, Prince Alfred, Albert, one of them, somewhere on Caxton Street. Um, Lord Alfred. No. Well, it was close. <laughs> uh, it was wet. It was very wet for at least two of the days, uh, which effect, probably affected the quality of some games. Don't think it necessarily cost anyone a game, but yeah, we've got a few notes on things we noticed live. You might necessarily pick up on TV each week, but it did kick off with, um, to use a Vossieism, a bludger of a game. Newcastle 16 defeated the Bulldogs 6. Barney? Yeah, I think everyone um, predicted this one to be one of the poorer games going around, and um, it certainly delivered on that. You had uh, one try to the Dogs, three to Newcastle. One, the zero out of one conversions played one out of three for Newcastle. And one, pe- one out of one penalty attempt for both teams. 64% completion for the Bulldogs, 80% for Newcastle. 22 out of 34 sets, played 32 out of 40. One line break to three. 11 tackle bust to 27. One offload to nine. Three force dropouts by the Dogs, two to Newcastle. 356 tackles, played 305. Two ruck infringements against Newcastle, two inside the 10 against the Bulldogs. Six penalties conceded to five. 15 errors to eight. Jeremy Marshall King made 44 tackles. Randall made 35. Vaughan with 156 running metres. Clemmer with 202. Tavita Pengai Jr. missed four tackles, made 21. Crossland missed two and made 14. Uh, Bradman Best was the best of the supercoach points on 79. Barnett on 78. And three other Newcastle players before you got down to Burton on 57 points. 
Shall I keep going? Keep going. This was a. And I'll just make the point before you start, Barney, uh, for the Newcastle Go fans. It, Newcastle weren't much better than Care Canterbury. This was a. They were very poor as well. <laughs> but keep going. Yeah, they had a couple more points of a, of attack than the Bulldogs, but not many. Um, as I said, we got exactly what we expected. There was a pretty tough, dour, low-scoring, scrappy affair for the majority of the game. The Dogs' defence, again, they just struggled really badly, especially in their own 20, which hasn't been the case so much this year. But in their own 20 this in this game, they were holding and sliding when they should have been rushing. They were rushing when they should have been sliding. And they I didn't look to me like they ever made the right decision in defence um, <laughs> for the entire night. The last try for the Knights was ridiculously bad. Like Adam Clune stepped twice, dummy, dummied again, stepped a couple more times, dummied again to nobody on his inside, <laughs> and then runs around and scores underneath the post while four Bulldogs blokes stand there and look at him. <laughs> Only one bloke tried to catch him, and he dived, dove at him and missed him by about a metre. It was ridiculous. Um, the Dogs looked tired for the majority of the game. The first probably 15 minutes, they had some energy, and then they just seemed to gas out and have nothing in the tank whatsoever. Um, Jackson was probably the best for the Bulldogs, which probably says a lot about your team when Josh Jackson's the best player on the field at this stage of his career. Um, Stimson was okay. Burton and Josh Adokar were really the only two that looked like any chance of scoring points for the Bulldogs. Um, Corey Waddell again, I know it's one of Gump's favourite things to do is kick Corey Waddell week after week, but I'm going to kick him this week too. As well as Tavita Pangai Jr. Um, they were extremely poor in this game. Tavita Pangai Jr. looked like he'd run a marathon after about 20 minutes of football. I don't know if he was unwell. Obviously, there was rumours that there was a flu that went through the club, but he looked absolutely spent in this game. Um, the Knights attack again was all around Ponga. Ponga was the guy that was in the position to make things happen. Um, and he went to best a couple of times and they, you know, made made a couple of good attacking positions, but for the majority of the game, they didn't look like they were going to score points either. Um, the Knights did dominate the middle. That was their saving grace in this game. And it was Barnett on his return. I thought he looked um, super impressive, actually, um, considering he's been out for a while. Um, he looked pretty close to speed, a fraction under speed, but I thought he was fantastic. And I thought um, David Clement was probably the best player on the field. I agree with that. Uh, Ollie? Well, shit, Barney. Once again, you sum up pretty much everything, you perfect human being. Um, <laughs> one thing I guess I will add to that, if I can, um, in the... In the second half, I think a lot of what it came down to was Newcastle's possession in Canterbury's half. More namely, I'd say in their 30 metres, they didn't score each time, but uh, they retained possession. And when they did, they were surging up the field. It was sort of an onslaught that the Bulldogs were very lightly hanging on to for a while. And then Newcastle sort of just got what they needed. But watching that game, even before the result, Newcastle in the second half didn't ever really look like losing to me. and again, uh, I have to agree with Daggy. They weren't necessarily a great side, but the Bulldogs just looked really poor. Cal? Yeah, it was just um, this game did stink, but the, the lack of effort from the doggies was just so poor. So, like, just so poor. They just put in, they just don't run hard. They don't tackle hard. They just offer, they just offer very little. Even in attack, their ball movement's slow. Like, they just, they just don't offer a lot in, in NRL terms. Yeah, there was. Multiple occasions where Barnett and I turned to each other 
and asked if we saw the five Bulldogs forwards just standing in Newcastle defensive line, uh, seemingly yeah. in no rush to get up and take a hit up. Uh, they, I don't actually understand what their plan was even when they had the ball. Flanagan's kick, yeah, I think he had two good repeat set grubbers. Beyond that, every kick he put in was made no sense. Uh, whether it was crossfield, whether it was chipping, it just it was all very ordinary. Uh, Burton and seemed to take a back foot to the kicking by and large, except for the the longer ones, and um, it showed. And whether that's the plan they've got, uh, it's not working. Uh, and the rest of it, like the only other one you'd even mentioned to to, to wrap would be Fox because he tries very hard. And apparently, there is changes going that will be made this week. And I think it's probably time just to pull the trigger and let Fox play fullback for a month and see what happens because Dufty's offering the same as the rest of the team. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. And I think they're not far away from being able to bring in um, young Karaz and uh, the other fellow there. Um, well, then, Alamonte, you know. Alamonte, we've heard the raps about since day one on this year, so looking forward to seeing him. Okay. And the suggestion is... Push Fox back to fullback and put one of the kids on the wing. Carras yeah. should be playing there. And uh, if Alamonte's fit, then from all understanding, give just let him have, give him the rest of the season to get used to first grade. Uh, I'm pretty sure we mentioned to each other a couple of times we probably should have just stayed at the pub as well, I think, during this well, game. Well, I, I think in the interest <laughs> of uh, our staying efforts... Uh, I think you've got to pick and choose some games next year where maybe we do stay at the park, but, <laughs> but it was good to see. Uh, interesting to see just how deep Ponga sets up in defence. I think he was the deepest fullback all week on did nothing to do with the, the front line, and I can't imagine his Especially communication. Especially in that first half. He was good 40 metres behind yeah, the line. and I can't imagine. Couldn't, that, they couldn't that, have heard him. If... <laughs> no, and, and as a result, as captain, I can't imagine his communication can be the best compared to what we saw later in some other games across the weekend. So, but, you know. He's got his nice fat contract, so I'm very happy for him. Clamour three points, I thought. Barnett two. And uh, look, probably Bradman best one. Oh, Ponga. Yeah, You've got that. exactly what I've written down here. Cool. So Clemmer, Barnett, and best. Brisbane 38, Manly zero. Barney stats. Yeah, we had zero tries to six, zero conversions to six out of six. A missed two-point field goal attempt by Brisbane. One out of one penalty attempts for Brisbane. 70% completion played 81%. 24 out of 34 sets played 36 out of 44. 850-plus running metres and 300-plus post-contact metres for the Brisbane side. Two line breaks to three. 23 tackle busts to 42 for Brisbane. Five offloads to 10. A force dropout from both teams. 353 tackles played 250. Two ruck infringements to zero. Three inside the tens to zero. Four penalties conceded to Manly, three conceded by the Broncos, 12 errors to 11. Croker made 53 tackles. Capel made 27. Tom Trebojevic with 145 running metres on one leg. Oates with 262. Crocker missed 10 tackles, but he did make 53. DCE made 21 tackles, missed five. Garrick missed four and made five. Capewell missed seven and out of his 27, and Gamble missed five out of 17. Reynolds with 98 supercoach points, Oates with 94, three other Brisbane players before you got down to Hamali Olakawatu on 55 points. Uh, yeah, I'll, um, I may as well go. Uh, I was pretty keen on Bulldogs, uh, Bulldogs, Brisbane coming into this round, and I was very pleased with their performance. Uh, I'll start with Manley because. Now I'll start with, the, with Brisbane because I'm going to take the narrative that they're a good team. Mm-hmm. They played um, te- I, I thought as a whole 
to me, and I was very drunk by the Penrith game, I'll be honest, but um, this was the best team performance of the weekend, in my humble opinion, and uh, because I tried to blank out the Sunday. Uh, but um, they played up-tempo footy. They have fast forwards. They have fast forwards that run hard. They have two strike centres. They have a fast winger, uh, and their other winger has one job, and that's to get the ball out of their the back end and then jump if Reynolds puts the ball in the air and he does it. He's doing it pretty well. He's almost had a career renaissance, uh, Corey Oates. And, and Adam Reynolds was just on fire. Every decision he made was the right one just about. Uh, gorgeous little chip and chase. Got to love that. And just put a lot of the right strings and even a lot of his through short balls and um, putting ball blokes through holes was just on point. Uh, he's made a difference this team, and we've mentioned a few times the teams that have made the biggest improvements are teams that have gone and got themselves premiership-winning um, halfbacks. And it's just made a massive effort. Herbie was good live. He's quick. Uh, Stags didn't have to do a lot this game. And uh, Selwyn Cobbo, Barney's the first to point out. He got his Peter Sterling on and went and found some, um, made some drawings of how you could turn Brisbane around and trouble their defence. But for now, teams aren't doing it. And uh, he's a scary prospect in attack. He's fast, he's strong, he breaks tackles, and he's good in the air. So he's exciting. Uh, and I do have a new love. Uh, I'm sorry for Mo, but it was last Friday night I did fall in love with Patrick Carrigan. Uh, he was just outstanding. His touches through the middle of the field were tremendous. Uh, we, You know, if we're saying Murray and Yo are the best ball-playing locks in the comp, which they are, he is not very far off being third, uh, if at all. He's, uh, he's not just his work in the middle, but his um, first receiver and connecting play stuff was crisp and clean. Obviously, you throw Payne House back into this, and you throw Corey Jensen, in, who's been tremendous in his chances this year. So across the board, that was outstanding. As for Manly, it's, they have no forward back, and they got belted out of this game. They had no answer otherwise. And then their best players on one leg, and noticeably so, uh, he was walking a lot of this game, and they really struggled. There's not a lot I really want to wrap around, Manly, apart from, as I said earlier, Benny Turbo tried hard, and Tupalulutu, I think, is a first-grade winger. He was probably their best just about bringing the cut in the ball back out and um, was solid enough at times in defence. I haven't studied just how many times. Was he on Cobo's side? Cobo probably no. Yeah, good. So, so no one writes in and tells me hey, I missed him three. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, well, Cal, have I missed anything in that summary? Uh, mainly, not only have no forwards, they have no outside backs. They just have nothing. They, like, I know Reynolds was putting those kicks in the Cobo. They were pretty good kicks, but Garrick was off in – where was he? He was playing like a lock in the middle of the field. I don't know where he was going. But mainly were just flat. Like you said, just the forwards just – just offer no effort. They offer no resistance to Haas and Carrigan. Um, I thought Tupaluda was good, bringing the ball out the back line, but it was very difficult when Tommy was on one leg and DCE was also not playing well. It was always going to be hard for them to score any sort of points. So, yeah. Ellie? Oh, well, one thing that actually sort of stood out to me is the fact that I didn't think of Payne Haas straight away as one of the top players for Brisbane because mm. – he put in a similar effort to what he usually does, and usually he's just about Brisbane's man of the match each and every week. Uh, but this, on this occasion, yeah, I probably didn't. I probably thought of I'm not saying they played better or worse, but I just didn't think of him at first because there were a few players that I thought of before him, and I guess that just shows how Brisbane have developed 
as a team. And while he's still one of the key cogs in that side, it, it's no longer just him doing all the work. And a lot of that is um, the addition of Adam Reynolds, the addition of the halfback who knew that halfbacks could have an impact on a game of rugby league. Um, but he's just turned him around, it seems, and brought a lot of players up to a certain standard where Payne Haas doesn't have to do as much. He still puts in the work, but he doesn't have to now, um, especially as well, the form of Carrigan. Uh, but Selwyn Cobbo in particular, I've, I've said it the past three weeks, I'm going to say it again, better and better each and every week. Hasn't really taken a step back. I'm not too sure if I agree, but I've already seen people um, tipping in for origin for Queensland. I don't, I don't quite think he's there yet, but uh, in terms of form, like he's just been amazing and it's just, it, it's not only, you know, the fact that he's a winger and a lot of it gets put on a plate for him, but he's in all the right positions uh, for a player who's so young in his career. And it's just that strength as well. Um, that he's going to be a somebody for years to come be interesting to see when he does make that shift into fullback or maybe if he moves into the centers first, eventually. Barney, you know, put a bow on this one. Yeah, well, um, Adam Reynolds was the performance of the weekend, in my opinion. Out of every game I watched, I thought he was the best player out of Magic Round. Um, he's just so disciplined with that kick. Every time he bombs for the corners, even his, uh, his attempts at uh, forcing dropouts, they're always in the right position. Um, he makes the other team work their ass off to make sure that they can defuse the bomb. And if, you know, if... Oats or Cobb get themselves in a better position, they generally come down with the ball and score. Um, and out of any of them, and it was um, Olakuatu. I thought he was probably the only one running the ball that made any impact whatsoever. Jake tackled his ass off again. He does. He always puts in an effort. Um, and DCE did try hard. He had a couple of nice touches, but there was absolutely nothing going on anywhere else on the field. Um, they look slow, unorganised, like a lot of teams did this weekend. I don't know if it was, the, it was you know, short turnarounds, whatever, but there was a lot of team into games this weekend. Um, you've already mentioned pretty much everyone else. Uh, I did want to mention... Um, Flegler, I thought he was enormous. He was only on the field for about 44 minutes, I think it was. But he was um, he had as much impact as pretty much any other forward on the field. I thought he was fantastic in those 44 minutes. Um, Walters was okay at hooker, which um, you don't say very often, to be honest. But, um, yeah, they just absolutely picked the middle of um, the Manly's uh, just disturbed that defensive line that much that they ended up compressing. And then they left gaps everywhere in the outside edges and Broncos just ran through those gaps. Um, yeah, Reynolds probably played as... as I, I did mention how disciplined he was, but he was also playing off the cuff, which you don't see that often over Reynolds' career. And as you mentioned, some of those short passes were glorious. I thought he was fantastic and he definitely gets my man of the match. Oates with two points and Cobbo with the one. I was giving Carrigan two Cobbo one, but whatever. No, Carrigan's getting at least a point stuff, yeah. Well, Oates did 260-something <laughs> metres running yeah. back at front rowers or make-believe front rowers, so. All right, fine. <laughs> no, Carrigan, wrap off. Mm. <laughs> whatever. All right. <laughs> Souths 32 just held on to kick off Saturday. Uh, with the Warriors putting 30 points on in the second half, 
to Nelly Claw home in another five minutes. I think I think no doubt they probably win the game. Uh, they a bit of luck. They probably win the game anyway. Actually, uh, South clocked right off. And what did the stats say to reflect that, Barn? Yes, we had thirty to thirty-two. Five tries to six. Five out of five conversions played. Four out of six. A missed two-point field goal for the Warriors. 38 out of 46 sets played 31 out of 39. 82% completion for the Warriors, 79% for Souths. Six line breaks to eight. 31 tackle busts for the Warriors, 38 for Souths. Eight offloads to five. Four force dropouts to the Warriors, one to South Sydney. 0-40-20s, 351 tackles made by the Warriors, 347 to Souths. Two ruck infringements against the Warriors. One inside the 10 played four against Souths. Three penalties conceded to seven. 11 errors from both teams. Murchie made 45 tackles, Cook with 43, Walsh with 191 running metres, and Totola with 200. Devunga missed five tackles but did make 42. Montoya and Walsh both made three tackles and missed three tackles. Arrow missed five tackles, made 43. Taff missed four and made eight. Uh, Milne with 104 supercoach points, Alex Johnson with 103, and Marcelo Montoya with 102. Thoughts here, Cal? Um, this was a really crazy game. I thought that in, after the first fifteen minutes, Rabbits could have won eighty nil. Like it was getting, it was getting pretty ugly. Um, Cody Walker turned it on in the first half, put on a, a bit of a clinic, even with his chips over the top, putting him in the corners. It was very good in the first half, but like you said, South just they just crumbled. They had, I think, pretty sure Warriors had or someone had the sin bin, and it, it just completely changed the game. It was um. Yeah, Cook got sent off with about 15 minutes to yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So it was one of the almost the craziest comebacks. But Warriors, they just never they just never play 80 minutes. They just can't do it. It's not in their DNA. They just <laughs> they just they're just not about it. So well, they only played yeah. about 25 in this one and almost yeah, got the <laughs> got the bickies. That's true. They just I don't I don't understand the Warriors, but they they showed such promising signs, but they just don't they're not consistent. So yeah. Ollie? Well, I'm going to take a, a leaf from a, a page from the old Gumsters book and say, if, if you can only beat the Warriors by two points of all teams, I'm penning you. You're gone. So, <laughs> I think I might be penning Souths here. Um, I was about to say, Cal, that you're a bit like the old man, but you, you spoke about the Warriors showing signs of stuff and potential. Uh, it, it's not like a true gump to say nice things about the Warriors. But anyway, uh, there were a few really good performances here from the New Zealand side. One player I want to touch on off the bat um, because I've been shit-canning him a bit in the past few weeks. I thought Adam Noah Blake was one of the better strong. players on the field. Um, Reese Walsh, as always, I think it, it's weird. I've said it before, especially in attack, going a little bit underrated now, a bit under the radar, as opposed to last season. Um, I'd say what got South Sydney home was uh, two things in particular. Uh, the backs just ran... Um, ran for miles and miles. Um, I'd say they just ran over the top of them, had that speed, that X factor over the Warriors. And I'd say that spark off the bench, um, who in particular was it? I think it was Havili, might have been Liam Knight as well, just the spark that those two guys brought off the bench as well, um, giving that bit of respite to the Fords, I think helped. And they were also able to put in an impact alongside those five players at the back. But realistically, uh, the Warriors were two points away from a win. So I wouldn't say the Rabbitohs were too much better than the New Zealand side. A couple of close calls as well in this one, but ultimately the Rabbitohs got the win and I think that's just what did it for them. I have, I, I literally have Souths and Manly right now as the same team. 
They're the same team, and one's got Tommy half fit, and one doesn't have Luttrell, and that's the issue for both of them. Uh, and they're going to get bashed by bigger Ford packs, and they're going to beat up teams that aren't going to bash them. And uh, that's where they, they probably means they're going to finish seventh and eighth. What if you're actually going to say what does it actually mean? Probably that ninth and tenth, maybe. Well, ninth and tenth. Uh, yeah, a, t- uh, a team below them that gets hot will will beat either of these as well. Well, Bane? it's funny. Oh, sorry. Sorry, just because you brought up that point about um, Souths and Manly. I've sort of had them in the same bracket myself all year, but it's weird because they've sort of consistently stayed the same. But at the start of the year, I probably had them around fourth, fifth. Then it dropped. I'm thinking, okay, they look like a solid sixth, seventh. And now it's like probably, I agree with Barney, probably ninth and tenth. It's weird how they've just sort of, they've stayed on that same level. But anyway. Yeah, no. Barney? I I don't know what to make of it. It was... The drop-off was dramatic, and I don't know if it was a fitness thing or just they came out and just expected to be able to hold the Warriors out because they haven't been able to score points recently or what it was. But um, they went from pulling the Warriors' defence apart at will in that first half through the middle. A lot of it was off the back of quick play the balls, which um, the Warriors did manage to sort of slow down, especially towards the back end of the game. But um, their line speed in defence pretty much stopped in the second half. They weren't getting off their line at all. They were just sitting there waiting for the Warriors. And one thing you don't want to do against a massive forward pack is sit there and wait for them and give them eight to ten metres to warm up before they start hitting the line. That's the only other thing I was going to say about the Warriors' attack is that I don't actually remember much of it apart from Souths let them score. There wasn't like there was brilliant stuff going on. No, no. A lot of it was that Souths basically clocked off. And from what I could see, they they weren't... um, helping on the inside shoulder. A lot of it was the Warriors running a, a slight angle away from the posts and then cutting back in on the in, on the inside shoulder of the defence and there was no one there to help. Um, there's two tries that were directly led from that where it was just a slight change of angle back towards the middle of the field and the inside guy wasn't there and the bloke that was um, one-on-one with him couldn't make the tackle and it just split them open um, and there was two tries that directly led from that. Um, Johnson did a couple of nice little touches on the outside edge. It was a grubber for a try, and a couple of times he threatened to put people away through holes. But um, it was realistically just the roll forward that they got on when Buncey Afoa seemed to come back on for his second stint, and he was absolutely screaming through the middle of the field. I thought he was close to one of the best players on the field, as well as Jazz Tavanga. Um <laughs> Always had pretty big raps on him, but he seems to go, he's got that warrior about him where he sort of floats in and out of games. But at his best, he's a very destructive ball runner. He can be a, a pretty productive hooker as well at different times. So, um, And he was pretty good in this game. I thought Lusick added a fair bit when he came off the bench for the Warriors. Um, he didn't have huge involvements, but the, the service was definitely better with him in at hooker. And um, he did sort of get out once or twice and make a couple of issues for the South's defence. South should have gone on to win 30 or 40 nil. Um, but as I said, they just fell apart with that last 20 minutes. And if the Warriors had started better in that first half and gone maybe into halftime only 10 or 12 points behind, they would have won this game. And I think they would have won this game easily because South absolutely fell apart in that the last 20 minutes of the game. So I thought Burgess was okay. Kulamatungi was okay as well. But I thought Totola was probably the best forward on the field closely followed by Tavanga. Um, and you just have to give, I think you have to give Walker the three points for what he did in the first half because basically most of South's points came off the back of Cody Walker. Then I had um, Tavita Totola with the two and Tavanga with the one. 
Yeah, I'm fine with that, unless anyone has any yeah. objections. Uh, they do get, you know, the only upside for Warriors is Torhu's had a blowout now. He'll be better for the run. He'll be better. Strength now, and they get Aitken back. So. The Lord is back, Torhu. Yeah, so we get a, we do get a, they do get a little bit of upside, but I don't know what it, that exactly means. Uh, as I think we've all suggested, this game is more of an anchor on South than um, we want to gush about the Warriors on any upward path. I think so. Game two on the Saturday night, Golden Point. Jermaine Asako, Ollie's new poster child, scored the winning try, 20-16. to 16. The Titans over the Dragons. A couple of interesting moments in Golden Point as well, but um, what did the stats say first of all, Barn? I don't know if any of them were interesting. Oh, interesting. <laughs> disgusting but, to watch. But, but anyway. We... Most other weeks that, I haven't even watched it back, that Lomax field goal's a penalty. It's right in front. You would think so, yeah. And, um, yeah, if the Tigers score that try in the corner, it'd be a bloody knock on. But anyway. <laughs> Maggie, we, we know, all right? We just need to move on. We had four tries to three, two out of three conversions and one out of three for the Dragons. Four missed field goal attempts for the Titans. And a missed two-point field goal attempt. Uh, oh, sorry, one missed field goal attempt for the Dragons and a missed two-point field goal attempt. Uh, one out of one penalty attempts for the Dragons. 81% completion played 78%. 39 out of 48 sets played 32 out of 41. Six line breaks to the Titans, three to the Dragons. 49 tackle bust to 27. Eight offloads for both sides. Five force dropouts to the Titans, one to the Dragons. 0-40-20s, 0-1-40-20s from the Dragons, 353 tackles played 367, two ruck infringements against the Dragons, two inside the Tens against the Titans and one against the Dragons, four penalties conceded to seven, 11 errors to 10, one sin bin for St. George Illawarra, Clark with 42 tackles, Jack DeBellum with 38, Campbell with 266 running metres and Rabalawa with 208. Masters missed four tackles, made 13. Amon missed six and made 22. And Bird missed six and made 24. Hunt with 94 supercoach points. Firma with 83. And Sexton with 81. Well, uh, I know they won, but yeah, I'm not going to be negative against the team as a whole, but uh, I'll be a little negative, but I think I mainly want to praise individuals. Here because there were some great individual efforts from the Titans. I still don't think they know how to play as a team for 60 minutes, but God damn it, there were some real big individual efforts. Mo and Tino, I mean, the the regular customers there. And here's where my little bit of a negative comes into it because I know he was injured there for a couple of weeks, but which geek decided to keep Jaden Campbell out of the side for extra recovery or whatever and have him play and I think win man of the match three weeks in a row in Q Cup or whatever, because he clearly should be playing first grade. He's also the player that they've invested in too heavily. He should be there if fit and healthy, and I think he proved that. My man Corey Thompson also coming back was really good, I thought as well. Um, and it's weird because one prediction I made last week was that I thought the Dragons 2-5 to five were going to dominate the Titans, and I think they really were dominant as a whole in this game, but they just couldn't really... Uh, run away with it. They just couldn't be that factor that they sort of kicked on with. I think a lot of that does come down to the effort in the forwards from um, Mo and Tino, but also the likes of Bo Firma as well. Jared Wallace as well for the Titans. Uh, Tyrell Sloan, it's great to see him back. Um, I think he's 
if he doesn't keep his spot in first grade after this week, then spoilers, he doesn't. I'm not sure the St. George Laura fans would be um, <laughs> as keen to see him back, to be honest. I thought there was quite a few, couple of moments, oh. glaring moments there for poor Tyrone. But there, there were a couple, Tyrell, sorry. a couple of moments, I'd say like a couple of shit errors, etc. But I thought overall, in terms of what he offers in attack, especially. Um, compared to Mbai in the position. I don't know. Again, he's he's yeah, younger but then they put Mbai in at hooker and he played he was the worst player on the fucking field. Exactly. Anyway. Where, where, do you, where do you play Mbai like yeah, in grade with yeah. Jaden Campbell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but anyway, yeah, overall I think the Titans were a, again, it was a golden point game, so it was very close. Overall, I think though what did get it home for for the Titans was the efforts of those couple of individuals. Um, predominantly the individual efforts from the Fords. Yeah, well, my think... slip of the week almost went to a bloke in um, that I overheard talking about how this was one of the most entertaining games of the fucking weekend. <laughs> to me, this was one of the most fucking boring games of the weekend. It was very little enterprise from both teams who decided they looked like they were just going to ruck it out for 60 minutes of this game. Um, how any obviously the scoreline kept the match entertaining, and when it goes to golden point, it's, it adds that extra bit of excitement. But to me, there was very little football played in this game. But what was played was tough. It was back and forward through the middle. Um, very similar football from both teams, I thought. Um, one out running, uh, looking for an offload, which generally didn't eventuate, and then three blokes sort of wrestled someone to the ground and slow play the balls, but. Um, there was bugger all impact from both teams off the bench, which I noticed a lot in this weekend. And I've mentioned it quite a few times this year, which to me just screams a lack of depth in the competition, which um, <laughs> may have been something that the, our host may have repeated at nauseam at the end of last season, especially when it was announced that there was another team coming into the competition. But I'll wait till we'll first. That'll, that'll be, that'll be right on. <laughs> We'll see how that plays. <laughs> oh, can't wait. I thought this was the probably one of the best performances out of the Titans pack that we've seen for the um for the entire year. And if they don't keep this starting pack for the rest of the year, um Justin Holbrook should just fucking walk away from the competition because uh, they were fantastic. Uh, you already mentioned them all. The only one I think you left out was Louis and he, uh Louie, and he was fantastic as well um in the second row there. So um yeah, the Titans won it through the guts. They were way, way better in the middle of the pack. Um, Gumps mentioned it again at nauseum about how small this St. George Illawarra pack, and they were dominated by this um, this quite large pack from the Titans. One and the most entertaining point of this game, I thought, was the uh, Aaron Woods going for a run up the middle of the field, and <laughs> the, the hookers just ducked in behind him, and he's ten meters into the St George attacking line, into the <laughs> into the Titans attacking line. But um, yeah, that, that was a good moment for me. Um, yeah, you mentioned all the forwards. I thought Francis Milo for the, um, for the Dragons was pretty good, as was Jack DeBellin. He seems to be. Uh, he's not at his, not back at his best, but I've mentioned him the last couple of weeks and he's been pretty good for him. Uh, Sims as well was okay, but they've just got too many passengers in this Dragons team. Uh, there's too many blokes just bludgeoning and they're not putting in more than probably 20 minutes effort in the entire game. And that's what lost them this game. 
the returning fullbacks for either side, as we mentioned, I thought it was a knockout victory to Jaden Campbell. He was so much better than Tyrell Sloan. Tyrell Sloan really looking back now, I, I screamed bloody murder when he was dropped to begin with. And yeah, he's got an upside and attack, but from what I saw in his defensive positioning, especially close to the line on um in this game, it was very poor. And there was once or twice where he was, um, he put himself in the line on the def- uh, like on the goal line, and basically just got run over. And there was points for the Titans. So, Callum, yeah, I like the boy said. They've covered a lot, but a really strange game. Like just, just weird. I just want to say one thing. I don't want to be harsh on the young kid, but Amone, sort yourself out, buddy. <laughs> Not only for that job at the end, right? They had the field goal in Golden Point. They were set up about, they were a long way out. They were about 30-odd out. He gets the ball. Ben Hunt goes, yep, hit it up, mate. Now, he runs off to the side trying to do yeah. flick passes, and then Lomax has to take the field goal from the sideline. I just think, you know, you're a young kid. I understand. Just sort yourself out, all right, and just get on with a bit of footy, mate, because he, he, yeah, I don't know. That, that drop at the end was just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say. Yep, no, fair. Um, look, it's it's pretty simple. Everyone's covered off enough. This uh, Titans don't win the game if it's not for Fodawaker and Fasu and Mawali. Um, so they get my three and a two, respectively. And I'll give one to Campbell, but uh, I'm not going to go go to car. It was about how he's the next um, saviour of fullbacks in the Sexton, competition. That and uh, I thought Sexton was a lot better than what he was. Yeah. Uh, in the uh, last absolutely, few weeks. actually, and he kicks actually good. was quite dominant with his kicking game. Yeah, his kick was good. I'm happy to give Toby one if you like. Yeah, well, I had um, Mo Tino, and then I had the I either had Hunt Sexton or Jaden Campbell for the one. So, but. give it to Sexton. Actually, has I think that was his best game. Um, cool. Let's move on. And like, yeah, do we need to? The only thing I'll say is that drag. You're right about Dragons Barn in that. They've won a few games this year on the back of Ben Hunt getting him home in close games where they've been playing average opposition. As other teams keep improving, they're going to steamroll this Dragons team. Yeah, well, Bird was generally pretty good for most of the year, but he was very average in this game. I already mentioned Embi. He was probably the worst, well, second worst performance of the weekend. I'll save one for the Sharks, who was the worst performer in that game. And Maguire's just a liability. He just becomes a liability pretty pretty much every second game. He has a good game, and then he gets himself sent off, or he cracks four blokes around the head. And, yeah. right. 32-6, the main event of Magic Round, apparently was well and truly a knockout to Penrith. Barney, tell us about the stats, and then tell us how good Jerome Luai and Viliami Kiko were with time and space. <laughs> <laughs> created by Jerome Luai. He created a lot of time and space in this game. <laughs> Melbourne 6, Penrith 32. One try to five, one out of one conversions, played five out of five, and one out of one penalty attempts for Penrith. 65% completion played 31, uh, 81, sorry. <laughs> Fucking hell. 23 out of 35 sets played 35 out of 43. 970 plus running meters for Penrith and 330 plus post-contact meters. Four line breaks for Penrith, zero for Melbourne, which you don't hear very often. 32 tackle busts played 51. Seven offloads to 12. Zero force dropouts for Melbourne, four for Penrith. 370 tackles for Melbourne, 267 for Penrith. One ruck infringement from both teams, one inside the 10 against both sides. Eight penalties conceded by Melbourne, six by Penrith. 13 errors to 10. 
Grant made 50 tackles, Appy made 39, Ollum with 126 metres and Targo with 198. Grant made 50, missed 10, Munster made 32 and missed 6. Martin made 27 and missed 7. I don't think I've seen him miss that many tackles in a game, to be honest. Cleary missed 4 and made 16. Targo with 104 supercoach points, and I did leave him out of my side this week. Fantastic. And I, I brought in Coates, who made 7, so that was even better. Um, Cleary with 85 points. Four other Panthers players before you got down to Harry Grant on uh, 58. I don't think many supporters, even the diehard Panthers supporters, would have predicted such a dominant display in this one. But Melbourne looked slow, lost in defence and attack. Um, Penrith, on the other hand, looked very aggressive. That was one thing I did take out of this game. They were pumped up and they wanted to, they looked like they wanted to inflict some pain on Melbourne. And that's exactly what they did. Very deliberate in the way that they go uh, with the shapes that they that they threw at Melbourne. Very deliberate in the uh, the points on the field and the players that they attacked, namely Justin Ollum and um, Xavier Coates. They were physically dominant. Um, they were bashing them in defence, and when they had the ball in their hand, so and you add that to a, a below par performance from Melbourne, and you end up with a, a 28 20, 28 point drubbing on the head by the hands of Penrith. Um, I even thought Penrith probably dropped off in the last 20 minutes with their intensity too, and they probably could have even put more points on at the back end of this game, but uh, that coincided with the absolute pissing down rain in the last 20 minutes of football, so I think they, <laughs> they'd had enough and they just wanted to get back into the sheds. Um, Penrith's forward pack wasn't amazing either. But it was well and truly better than the, the Melbourne's forward pack. This is one of the worst performances out of a Melbourne forward pack that I've seen for a while, considering how how much we pumped them up last week with um, what they did. King and Kamikamika were Melbourne's best forwards, um, and by a fair stretch, because the rest of them were very average. And even then, they were pretty much only okay. Grant tackled his ass off, but I don't know if the early knock had something to do with his effect in attack, but he had zero to no effect in um, in attack. And Munster was really the only one that sort of um, had any, looked like any chance of them scoring points. As I mentioned before, Penrith are very deliberate with what they did. They, uh, either Jerome Luai took the ball into the line to give kick out space and run directly at Justin Ollum or um, was it Ollum on that side? Whoever the center was on that side and, and they're half on that side, and they absolutely terrorised them. They just continually went back down that side, um, and it paid massive dividends for Targo. Uh, Targo scored a couple of tries, and he didn't just—it wasn't just catch the ball and fall over the line either. He had a bit of bit of work to do, and that young kid's turned into a really good player. Um, had an absolute night out. Kikau, his last three weeks has probably been his best form of footy he's been in for the last twelve months. Um, he's looking. Again, physically imposing. People don't, they don't look like they want to even try to tackle him at the moment. So they're more than happy to just hope that he passes it to somebody else. Luai, we've mentioned how he basically hasn't really, I don't think we've mentioned him having a good game since Origin Origin 3 last year. But in this one, he was absolutely fantastic. Um, Cleary did give him, as we mentioned, that bit of extra time and space. Because Cleary didn't run the ball into the line as much as he has done recently since he's returned. I thought he was it was quite deliberate in the fact that they were going to give Luai early ball and he was going to run the show in this game. And he did it to amazing effect. That left-hand side of Penrith's attack was 
fantastic and they absolutely dominated Melbourne. So, yeah. Yeah, this was always going to be really difficult for Melbourne with the, the Pap and Hughes out. I, as soon as Penrith scored the first try, I thought mm, this could get ugly. Like, it was just, it was going to be a real challenge for them and they just weren't up to it. Like, Penrith were just, they're just too good. Luai was, uh, like we've said, I know we keep saying him, but he was unbelievable. And it's no wonder that this Penrith left side blitzes teams every week. It's because they're getting the ball from him. He just, he doesn't always get the try assist or put the bloke through the hole, but he just gives good service to Tago, May, kick out. And they just, Penrith were just fired up. They were just ready just to tear shreds off Melbourne. And they did that. They were very, very impressive. That left side of Penrith, they're like they have been for a while now, but they're, they are destructive. They run the ball hard and they just, they hit holes well. They just do everything well. So, Next week, they'll probably destroy another team on the right-hand side with Critter and Brian Toto running them yeah. up next week. <laughs> Each week, it's interchangeable, right? Yep. Dolly? Oh, then the week after, they'll just absolutely dominate the middle because they yeah, are... Harris the, will score three tries. Yeah. <laughs> they're the best team in the competition, and I think that was further proven this week. Again, I've said it about Penrith before, but it might be quite hard to pick a distinct uh, 3 two, one at least... One's going to have a few options just because of the amount of immense efforts that we saw from the Penrith Panther side. And they probably, Barty, you bring up the drop-off with about 20 minutes to go. Uh, the way Melbourne looked, Penrith probably could have afforded to drop off a little bit. I early. felt sorry for him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think um, maybe it was a bit out of respect as well, but I just... And again, uh, as Cal mentioned, the injuries do have to play a part. But I still think even if those blokes were there, just the way Penrith played, they still win this game. Um, and it also goes to show as well um, sort of the impact those players being out does have on their other halves, uh, other halves, the other players in the spine, uh, especially Harry Grant, because you could see Munster was still trying. Barney, you brought up before the best uh, sort of attacking ball running spine in the competition. When you take out a couple of those key components, it does get really, really hard to be able to get that ascendancy in the attack and have your play. Um, especially your putting in, play. you're putting in, let's be honest, a, a borderline first grader and a, a hooker. Yeah, Torian Wishart did yeah. not have a very good no, night. Uh, they got that wrong though. They, like yeah, they got that wrong. Yeah, Maybe yeah he should have been a fullback. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, don't use any doubt. Any going to finish on Ollie? Oh well, just that it was an overall great performance by Penrith, but someone. Um, who I want to touch on that we I don't think has really been touched on too much is. Yo, and I mean touched on too much this week because we talk about him most weeks. Um, but you know what? Maybe a couple of the three-point performances that maybe he got in the past that he shouldn't have. Maybe you could give it to him here, if not for Luai's uh, great performance, which I still think. Hell no! I had five people in points before I even looked at Yo in this game. Really? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. He did a job, but he was nowhere near the most impressive player on the field. <laughs> in no, my you put opinion. it this way, Barney. Like if you put him in. 13 other teams and he puts in that effort that he probably does get the three points. But I'm saying I appreciate uh, uh, Isaiah is someone who I really like to watch as well. And I think I just appreciate the, yes, he um, was good. the effort that yeah, he, he was good. The football team. Three Luai, two kick out, one Targo I had. but Barney. I had kick out and Targo around the other way. But... No, I would have that too, Barney. Okay, go with, Bar- go with what you said. Unless you want to help me out here, Oliver. No, I'm happy. Happy with that. All right. Whatever. <laughs> Honourable mention to Munster in a beaten side. I think he did try his ass off. But, yeah. yeah. Sunday afternoon kicked off uh, 
we got there nice and early and up <laughs> high and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and then Canberra belted the Sharks by 20 <laughs> um, in the Sharks' worst performance of the year. Uh, Barney, stats, and then yeah. you can uh, you can vent if you feel like it, or you can move oh, on. Oh, it'll happen. Whatever. It'll happen. But, um, yeah, Sharks 10, Canberra 30, two tries to five, one out of two conversions for the Sharks, four out of five for Canberra, and one out of one penalty attempts. 71% completion played 82% completion, 32 out of 45 sets played 32 out of 39. Four line breaks to three, 23 tackle bust to 35, 13 offloads to 11. Four force dropout for the Sharks, one by Canberra. Zero 40-20s, 320 tackles played 338. One ruck infringement against Granola, four penalties conceded to 10, 14 errors to eight. Uh, <coughs> three sin bins for Canberra. Braley with 44 tackles, Starling with 39, Mulatano with 176, and Young with 174. Rudolph missed nine tackles, made 28. Moylan missed seven tackles and made 11. Young missed five tackles and made 22. Papali with 90 super coach points. Hawira Naira with 68. Uh, Sebastian Chris with 68 and Royce Hunt with 65. Shocking loss. Um, I'm still pissed off, to be honest, and I probably will be for the rest of the season. I, we haven't been able to beat the Raiders since fucking 2016 for whatever fucking reason. I'm, apparently it's the mock from Ennis mocking the, the Raiders clap if you listen to Raiders fans, but haven't been able to beat them for a few years now. And it's... Um, Noise the shit out of me every time we play them because I know they know he's <laughs> gonna go. Oh, sorry about that, mate, and be as nice as pie <laughs> when all he wants to do is throw shit at me and laugh. <laughs> but, um, oh, mate, I'll, I'll give the Raiders their props, they were tough as especially in defense when they were down to 11 men. They scrambled and scrambled and scrambled, they didn't switch off at all. They were strong in the middle, especially Papali. Papali was close to the best player on the field even though he's only out there for about 40-odd minutes. Um, off the bench, Starling was creating overlaps and making breaks with 11 players on the fucking field. Like, he was getting out of dummy half and causing no end of problems for the Sharks' defensive line. Schneider did a good job. Um, he got him around the field. He looked like a, a pretty good controlling um, halfback in this game, especially with his kicking game. Uh, Wolford had a very nice debut for the young fella at Tooker there when he did play. He got a nice try at the end there. Um, Katoa fucked up, and as soon as that happened, looking into the sun, they just kept going back there. And he had an absolute shocking night. I don't know how he ended up on 50-something super coach points because he scored one try, but he was fucking horrendous. Um, how the, the Sharks dropped the ball six or seven times, from my memory, probably even more on the first or second tackle. You do not win games of fucking football dropping it off the kickoff or on the second tackle when you've got the ball in your own end and you just turn it back over to them. Especially, like, I think as soon as they went down to 11 men, we got the kickoff and Tolman drops the fucking thing on the first tackle and gives it back to Canberra and they go and score with 11 fucking players on the field. The... <sighs> They, they sat back in defense. Um, they were passive, especially out wide. They didn't seem to want to contest the high ball, especially Katoa, which led to fucking try after try. Um, Rudolph, Finnecane, and Tolman were absolute dog shit in attack. They added absolutely nothing. Rudolph's D was softer than an 80-year-old man in a nursing home. Um, 
Trindle and Moylan were fucking disgraceful in the halves. I don't think I saw a worse performance out of a set of halves over the entire weekend. Um, Trindle's not up the first grade, and Moylan made him look good in this fucking game. Moylan was disgusting. He was back to the levels where I wanted the fucking bloke shipped out of the country last year. Um, he made so many mistakes at crucial times. He missed just one-on-one simple fucking tackles. And if anyone else has got anything else to say, you should get amongst it. <laughs> I haven't seen Barney's eyes rolling like this since he used to get parked on the hill at Duke's Oval in first grade. Ah, uh, wow. Okay, the long run. Well, I would have had to be seen sitting behind the goalpost for this game because it would have been like a game of tennis because when the Sharks did have the ball, they went left and they went right and they went left and they went right and they went left again and no one seemed to actually know who was supposed to make them go straight. Uh, they got no border, Ellie Border Talakai. I mean, you got a bloke here that uh, a month ago was supposedly going to destroy the competition and carry them to a God knows what. Uh, you'd, get, you'd get either flat ball right at the line or have to take two hit-ups out of his own set, uh, which was their own doing, obviously. Cattell was terrible. You already mentioned that, and you've mentioned the halves. Uh, and Wade Graham. So Wade Graham now, if they're serious... He's starting he- this week. Okay, so he produced <laughs> about four or five third-man flops, so that was good of him. Yeah. And then on three separate occasions, he got the ball, ran around a circle and lay down on the ground. So, ran the ball, um, he should have passed it, yeah. He absolutely. is clear shadow of his former self, and if they're fair income, some of the forwards have had and some of the forwards they should have on paper, um, he doesn't make this 17. And well, you asked me about 15 minutes into this game, what's going on and what do they need to do? And I said, Trindle needs to come off the field and Hines needs to go back to fucking halfback. And they didn't do it for the entire game. I have no, no idea why they didn't do it. It just made absolutely no sense to me because the halves looked like crap from minute one and it didn't get any better. It only got worse. So, 100%. So, you know, they were poor. Canberra were good. Papai, best game of the year. He's very destructive runs, especially at key moments in attack. Absolutely. Uh, same as Tapanay, some nice touches. And Hudson Young's best game in a long time. So, you know, they their forwards matched up, and as a result, their backs were able to, to add something. But um, Kotrick's put a couple of good games together now. Obviously, he's had a few favours uh, in this game. And you've mentioned Starling. And Chris was pretty good. Just Sebastian echo. Chris. Yeah, getting mm-hmm. out jump. Um, Katara uh, on a couple of occasions. Uh, and Wolford, I think, will be fine as a first grader as he gets a bit more experience under his belt. But what's it all mean? Don't know. They're, um, Canberra will probably keep winning some games because they've got their forward pack, and now it's aiming up, will beat some of these other forwards, and, and they may well finish yeah in that 8th, ninth, 10th mix. Cole, uh, Cal? Um, yeah, so in the first, like you said with Talakai, in the first half an hour, I don't think a ball got passed a back rower or Nico Hines running on the outside. Like, it, neither of the centres got any – like, Nico was dropping him. He wasn't passing. Teague Wilton, they hit him up about six times on this short ball, yeah. and it was drive, It was actually driving me mad. Like the, By the end of the game, he was dropping the fucking thing. Yeah, but if they've tackled him, like, two or three times at, on the short ball, surely, like, give the ball to Talakai. Jesus yeah. Christ. But – Sharks had something like 70 tackles inside the 20 or something ridiculous. And it was just, it was actually frustrating to watch how they couldn't score. It was really, it was disappointing. It was actually disappointing. Yeah, well, again, I guess I'll re-emphasize the same um, sort of thing as last week. Um, 
Matt Frawley, I thought, again, made Canberra look better in attack. And it, at, at this point, it's becoming really worrying signs for Jack Whiten because they honestly look like a better team in attack when Matt Frawley's there. I think he had a solid boot on him as well, and I think he did a good job uh, bringing Schneider into the game as well and letting him have a crack in it um, whilst taking the pressure off him, also giving him the opportunity to um, do some things as as yeah, well. Shared it so, around a bit, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't say he was the best player in the field. I feel like you guys have covered off, off the main ones, but I thought, again, another solid performance for, from Frawley. The thing is, it doesn't have to be a bad thing that um, Whiten's not at the first choice 5'8". Like, the only thing that's bad for is Whiten's ego. Whiten's could, always been a centre. He can go back to the centres, be a strike centre, and this would be a better football team for it. Or am I playing at lock? I haven't like, looked. Is Frawley at half-back this week, or am I wrong? You might be sure right. I'll, have to have, I'll get to that to for our preview. But um, yeah, it, so. the Canberra team will be a better team with White at centre, and they've just got to tell him to wake up to himself and play out there. But we'll see. Maybe they have. Three points, puppy. Two points. Uh, yeah, Schneider's been dropped. There you go. Mm-hmm. Three, puppy. Two to Young, and one to... Uh, Oh, jeez. What did I have here? I had Starling for two. Okay. And then I had Hawira Naira or Young for the one. Yeah. Any other thoughts, boys? Moylan? Puppy to three. Minus 74 points. Two to, two to Starling, one to Young. There you go. Roosters, 31. Parramatta, 24. In uh, a game that Parramatta just let get away from him. Uh, we talk about, well, do your stats, bun. No, no, go on. Give us a little pricey. Go on. No, I just I think we, we, we've we bracketed a lot of teams together in this show, and these are two teams that I'm bracketing together. So, yeah, tell us your stats and I'll Pretty fair elaborate. call at the moment. Um, five tries to four. Three out of five conversions for the Roosters. Four out of four for Parramatta. One out of one field goal attempts for the Roosters and two out of two penalty attempts. 50, 86% completion played 88%. 31 out of 36 sets played 37 out of 42 Five line breaks for both sides, a 31 tackle bust to 43, 16 offloads apiece, two force dropouts for Parramatta, 345 tackles played 334, six ruck infringements against the Roosters, one against Parramatta, two inside the 10s against the Roosters, three penalties conceded to six, six errors to five, a sin bin for Parramatta, Butcher with 45 tackles, Mahoney with 45, Teddy with 263 running metres, Gutho with 194. Jared missed five tackles, made 30. Momorovsky missed four and made 15. Moses missed seven and made 19. And Opacek missed four and made 15. Papa Lee with 113 supercoach points. Madison with 107. Moses with 106. And then Manu with 91. Yeah, these are these are almost the same team talent-wise. I've sort of, in my head now, bracketed sort of your fifth and sixth, but they do have enough... Roosters still have more upside. I'll say that as a qualification. I thought um, the best players on the field, I thought Sam Walk was very impressive live. I thought um, he looked the most dangerous uh, and the most creative on the Chook side. Uh, Manu was good and strong. Uh, but the, and the other two best players on well, probably on the field were probably he was just outstanding. He was someone that stood out like a sore yeah. thumb live. Uh, he's definitely in the conversation for best back row in the competition. And Mitch Moses stepped up, and uh, if, like I said, if Parra just didn't drift off for that first half, they almost win this game. 
Um, defensive decisions let them down as they as they generally do, and they just gave up too big a start. Um, Teddy was good again. Joseph Suwali, obviously an obvious talent, everyone knows that, but good in the air. He's going to get bigger, stronger, and better, and um, I can see why they've doubled down on him. Um, still, some in their best team, I imagine Momorowski's not there. It's probably the weak link, and a couple of their forwards are getting old, and that was, you know, Jared Nat was probably noticeable, uh, even though I he was. Jared was pretty strong. Um, yeah, just tired at times. He was pretty pretty good. Their back road wasn't especially thrilling. Um, from what I'd hoped for, but um, yeah, like I said, I, I've just bracketed them together, and I can't see the team really winning the comp. Ollie, uh, well, it's um, making me a little bit hopeful that the Roosters are actually winning some games now, and against a, a fellow top eight team like Parramatta, that's never a bad thing. But again, uh, your man Siwa Takeaho. Um, another big game consistently, um, as he has been consistently this year. Although I think one of the differences this time is he actually had a bit more help from his forward pack overall um, than he has in past weeks. I think Nat, Nat Butcher, especially in defence, and also Jared, although he's getting a bit older, uh, in attack as well. Um, the back five also in attack were amazing. Joseph Sawali, um, I know some people like to call him overrated or overhyped, whatever, but I do agree with... Um, the tags that this has probably been his best game in first grade of his career. Um, I still think the Roosters are a possibility at the top four, just looking at them right now. I'm not tipping anything crazy like a top two I, uh, yeah, or even a premiership team. But 100% think, still more upside from the Roosters than there yeah. is for Parramatta. I, I'm still feeling a top four finish for the Roosters at the moment with Parramatta. They're very, the, it's been the same for the past few years. They're a very hit and miss side but yeah I've got to wholeheartedly agree with you Daggy I think the Roosters do have a bit definitely a bit more upside to them than Parramatta and I still think plenty of upside overall. Cal? Yeah with the Roosters um, when they were not going great a few weeks ago their attack wasn't really clicking and if you felt if it ever was going to their defence wasn't going to be the issue it was always going to be when the attack would click and if it would click this time and it certainly has especially the past two weeks putting a few points on I know Titans aren't much chop but they still put a few points on their attacks, starting to find themselves. And they just got more, they just got striped. Like, you know, they've got Teddy, they've got Walker's creativity, they've got Manu out there, he's a huge asset. Um, they can kick to Sawali in the air, Tupu. They've got they've got the talent there. They just need to get their pack moving and get those halves clicking. So I think that yeah, they're definitely a top four shout. So Fun. I thought it was an exciting, tough. Tough game of footy. Uh, it was probably the best game of the round, realistically. Um, both teams put in pretty pretty strong performances. The first half from the Parramatta was obviously um, less than be desired, but um, the Roosters, I thought, were pretty dominant in that first half and didn't really let Parramatta get into the game either. Um, they were very strong through the middle and um, they controlled the ball and con- controlled field position. There was some flashes of brilliance from both halves in um, Moses and Walker. Kiri again played a lot more direct than he has. Because let's be let's be frank, um, the Roosters halves have been pretty poor for the majority of this season, and up until last week, they didn't seem to have a direction. Um, last week, and then coming into this round of football, they've straightened up 
uh, especially noticeable with Kiri's decided to start running towards the defense rather than across the across the back line and taking space away from uh, from Teddy at the back there. So once he straightens up, that just straightens up Teddy and Manu as well. And when you've got Teddy and Manu running straight at centers and halves, it's going to cause all sorts of problems. So. It's um, definitely a step in the right direction. If they if they can get both halves firing at one time, they will blow sides off the field. They're still probably a fraction off um, being a competitive premiership threat, but I can see signs of it. Um, as you mentioned, they've got the strike wingers that can score points. They're great finishers. They can jump over the top of people, and they're both big, strong boys. They've got a decent forward pack. The only thing at the moment that probably is letting them down is there's some older guys in that team and their back rowers aren't playing to their potential, especially Crichton. Um, Satili as well is not, not playing to his potential. But if they get them guys up and firing at the halves at the same time, they're going to be a seriously hard team to stop from scoring points. Um, Parramatta... Moses was the catalyst of pretty much everything that was good out of Parramatta's attack. Um, he did it on his own for the first try and then put Papali way under the posts. And then again, when the game was sort of in the balance, he did it again with a, a double grubber down the sideline and then back in for himself to score points. Oh, if, and it then wasn't once... for, um, if it wasn't for Tulungi, that was a try of the weekend. <laughs> yeah. And then once they got up and rolling, they dominated the Roosters forward pack. The Roosters forward pack seemed to fall into a bit of a hole. And um, your Madisons and your Papali'i and even Dylan Brown was okay at points. Um, Regan was a little bit quiet. And so was uh, Bolo, Paulo, Bolo, whatever I think it's apparently pronounced with a B in the in his um home language. But they they were doing a job, but they weren't as dominant as the likes of Madison and um yeah and Papa Lee, who were probably close to the best players on the field, let alone the best forwards on the field. You mentioned Manu. Manu's been in fantastic form for the last four to six weeks. Moses was probably the best half on the field, but yet I still gave Walker points in front of Moses because at the end of the day, Walker was the reason that the Roosters won this game. Um, you mentioned Satili, he was very strong. Watson added a little bit out of dummy half, but I'm still not still yet to be sold on him being uh, their hooker for the rest of the season. Cheese can't come fast enough for them. No, absolutely you can't. And if you were to slot cheese into this side at this point in time, he definitely would make a massive difference and probably be pushing them up into the top three teams in the competition. But, um, yeah, Baker was okay as well, I thought, for the Roosters. But, yeah, I had Walker with three, Manu with two, and then I gave Papa Lee either one. And if it was any other week, he probably gets the three points because he was fantastic. Absolute wrecking ball, that guy. He's now my probably my favourite forward in the competition. I um, I agree with that, and I'll just give honorary mention to Madison. I thought he was fantastic. Oh yeah, he's he's formed the last what three or four weeks. He's obviously pushing for his starting spot, yeah. which I think he's been given this week. And how they don't start him week in week out. The same with Tariq Sims at the Dragons. I've got no idea. I don't understand how he's not whether whether it's by choice or not. I don't understand how a club doesn't hasn't signed him for next year unless there's either a reputation thing that precedes him from the last couple of clubs, or he's waiting to see what what else he can get. I think he's hanging out for a few extra dollars myself. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You could have had him, Dougie. You could have had him. We did have him. He didn't want to be there. Yeah, that's what I mean. 
<laughs> Speaking of which, that's right, we've got Angus Crichton next year. I said so. How good. Yeah. Mm. Crichton and Papi, can't wait. Maybe that's what he's Can waiting for. Can pull a story out of his arsehole and fucking... And Brent Maynard. Buzz Rossfield. <laughs> 36-12, Cowboys over the Tigers to wrap up Magic Round. Stats, Barn. Yeah, we had two tries to seven. Two out of two conversions played four out of seven for the Cowboys. 83% completion played 89%. 30 out of 36 sets played 33 out of 37. 350-plus running metres for the Cowboys. One line break to the Tigers, six to the Cowboys. 28 tackle bust to 22. 11 offloads to nine. Three force dropouts for the Tigers. 336 tackles played 315. One ruck infringement against the Cowboys. Zero inside the tens, eight penalties conceded to six, seven errors to five. Tuolagi for the Tigers made 43 tackles. Robson with 48. Mamalo, Mamalo, fucking hell. What the hell? Mamolo with 148 running metres for the Tigers. Cotter with 169. Peachy missed four tackles, made 20. Chad missed five and made 12. Tuolangi missed four and made three for the Cowboys. Supercoach, Murray Tuolangi with 99 Supercoach points. Cotter with 89. Two other Cowboys players before you got down to Ghana for the Tigers with 65 points. I thought it was pretty pretty strong performance from both teams for about 30 minutes of this game. Um, the last 50 minutes obviously became a bit of a procession for the Cowboys. I'm going to say it now, that... First try is going to be shown for probably the rest of my life and Callan's life and our children's life as a um, as a highlight reel for you know just to promote the NRL. That was he was absolutely belted. The bloke was about to land in the second row of the crowd. It was actually somehow, a fantastic tackle. Like I'd stop watching because I was like, "Fuck, he's nailed him." Cover tackle. Yeah. Hastings came across, hit him as hard as he possibly could. He had him well and truly over the sideline. As yeah. I mentioned, he was heading for the second row of the crowd and he somehow managed to get the strength and the positioning to flick that ball back in and around and then drink water scores a try. Um, Hastings' presence on the field, if you can't see it through the TV, it is so, oh, such a noticeable amazing. thing at the ground. The bloke does not stop screaming at the rest of his team for 80 minutes. Even in defence, he's telling people where to be, let alone in attack. Um, he's telling them where to be two and three tackles before he needs them in those positions. He is absolutely a dominant half in that team and a dominant presence. presence. Um, he needs to get the captaincy, in my opinion. And they, they, just, I think they, he's on tears. They should be turning around to him now and say, we'll give you... This is your club. Do what you want. Give him 700 for the next five years. sick of us and then you leave him. Yeah, yeah absolutely. No matter what. <laughs> Garner might be a pretty good player for the Panthers next year. Yep. Um, his last couple of weeks have been fantastic, actually. Um, he seems to have gained an extra yard of pace as well. I don't know if that's a bit of extra cash that, from Penrith that he's been given or what. But well, the um, comp he's going to win next year, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> he seems excited anyway. He's added a bit. He's added a little bit of pace. Um, he can come sit on our table at the gums. Okay. Tigers just get themselves in way too many problems uh, with their one-on-one defense. They fall off way too many one-on-one tackles. And then there's just way too many holes after that happens for the rest of the defense. They they scramble. They try hard. They try to get over and cover. But by the time two blokes come over to make that cover tackle, there's a massive fucking hole somewhere else on the field. And if you can get the offload or even the quick play of the ball, you go straight back to that hole. And that's basically the story for the, the Tigers' defensive line. Um, as I mentioned, Ghana was solid. I thought Tuolangi for the Tigers 
was he did a pretty good job. Um, Twal and Tamo were probably their best forwards on the field. Hastings was easily their best player. Um, Stefano looks a little bit, probably one or two um, rungs under the ladder of where he needs to be with his fitness, but he still put in a pretty good performance. Peachy was disgusting. Um, so was Mamalo, even though he made some metres out of the backfield. Felton and Hickey were just the old old war dogs like they're just old professionals they make very little mistakes they don't do anything stupendous occasionally um occasionally felt does and he just pulls something out of his ass but um you know they just get the job done time and time again mclean and gilbert were pretty good in the middle and robson and ruben cotter were fantastic in this game and they were probably close to the best player on the field um yeah uh, Tuolungi scored his two tries, had a try assist, and every time he touched the ball, looked like the best player, and like, just looked like he was going to tear that side of the field apart. And yeah, had one where he put his toe, like his toe on the, should have had a hat trick basically. Yeah, should have had a hat trick. Had the the brilliant try assist, and every time he touched the ball, he looked like they didn't want to try and tackle him. To be honest, well, they tried to tackle him, but they just couldn't. So yeah, I um. The thing is, I, I I can't be unhappy with the effort as such. Yeah, it's not like they're not trying. It's just there's probably there's five blokes in the team that probably either aren't first graders or aren't anymore. Uh, yep. And you've talked about the defensive structures, which are a bit of concern. And when you're missing, I think we're missing eight or nine first graders as well, and good ones at that. You know, it catches up. So and you're playing against a team that's running third, and right, and I think rightfully so. I think the more and more I see it, uh, rightfully so, they've got to tackle across the field. Two was tremendous uh, and terrifying at times. My brain, it, my brain just doesn't compute what Ruben Cotter is doing this year, which is why I'm struggling. Like it just <laughs> crazy, doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense. He's but... not massive. He's not. You know, he doesn't have muscles popping out of everywhere. He's not the quickest bloke in the world, but no. fuck, he puts in a performance. But um, yeah, but he was he was good. I went to, I was, I was happy enough because I went. There's two minutes to half time, and we were ahead fourteen twelve, and I thought I'd sneak to the bar. I came back and it was twenty to fourteen, and I. Was like, what, what just happened? I didn't know what happened. Um, and we were very close to the roof, just for anyone. Yeah, we were quite high. So we, we elected to get to the Maddie John show early and just save myself <laughs> any temptations. Um, you mentioned Hastings, just just amazing. And, and not just the, the off-the-ball work he does, but uh, when the hook, watch him live. When yeah, the, when the dummy was. half isn't in position, he'll go in and play dummy half. When there's no absolutely. winger where to take it up, he'll take the hit up. Um, when there's a hole in the defence, he puts himself in that hole. He it, made that yeah. try saving as good a try saving tackle for a try assist as you'll ever see. Um, just like I said, uh, I'll just reiterate: like Tigers, if they had any brains, would be signing him for five years on seven fifty and not let him go anywhere because um, he, he's very impressive and was so. Uh, Cal, what did you take from this? Yeah. Look, this was diff- I, I don't like watching my team lose, but like we've said for previous years, games, however, I can't fault the effort. That's all I've said this for so long about Tigers. Like, if we lose and put in a put in a good effort, like I'm I'm happy because we don't have the talent these other teams do. But I was happy with the effort. Um, it was the second half was always going to be tough with two blokes out, plus like Norfoluma out. So we're safe path at five eight. I mean, it was always going to be tough, but full props to the Cowboys. They are they are a great team, and they like they they took off blokes because they were just dominating so well. So yeah, I can't fault the effort from the Tigs. Uh, we've only won two games, but it will get better. So yeah, 
We're all hoping. Ollie? I mean, Barney, at this point, I just want there to be one week where Fox League substitutes you in for any geek not named Matty Johns or Cooper Cronk because you've just, like, honestly, uh, you're amazing, mate, because you're pretty much everything I sort of thought as. as a point. With you hit it, you hit it, you hit Dick it. Dick Penis. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say Braith, but he's more a... a what, yeah, they've got, they've smartly got him out of there now. Yeah. But anyway, uh, one point I will bring up with someone who I was impressed with, or I don't think Barney touched on too much, um, Chad Townsend. I just think yeah. um, he has proven he is one of the halfbacks in the competition, as in someone who he's not the best player in the world, but improves his team immensely uh, because they haven't had... It shows a, you how important a kicking game is to a, oh, yeah. a team. Mate. Yeah. And, it's yeah. also the influence he's had on Tom Dearden as well. I think Tom Dearden's improved a lot as a player, and you, you, you see little snippets. Um, I think Scott Drinkwater's improved as a player. I think so as well. But how much do you put that down to Chad? Honestly asking, like... I think so. I think. Have some. But well, he gets them into the right positions to be able to do what they do well. Yeah. Well, you just look uh, after games when they're doing interviews and stuff where they have the camera in the locker room and that. I, I think just about every week I've seen Chad Townsend talking to someone like a did or whatever, and, and, and it looks like he's actually – and you don't see that with many halves. Completely focused on yeah, what he's doing. Yeah. Like, And they seem to really respect him and actually take him when he says – um, so I think probably his his mind's just as good as the actual talent he has brought to the Cowboys. And yeah, you talk about leaders like a, a Hastings, for example. I'd say maybe not as dominant, but it's certainly a leader in that team. Oh, absolutely, mate. Yeah, as you said, you can see it the way that um, he does. Very similar to what Hastings said. I said um, he puts blokes in positions two and three position uh, two and three plays before they need to be there. He goes, you get on that side of the field. We're going to go this way for two tackles, and then I'm, I'm coming back to you. And yeah. Wraps up Magic Round. Who are you giving the points to you? Oh, I gave two along okay. three just because you, yep. he's probably never going to play a better game of football in his life, to be honest. Um, Ruben Cotter with the two, who was immense, especially that try back through the middle, the old nut, the, the old nut truck over through the guts. Oh. He would have won, won that prop sprint that we watched over the weekend. Uh, <laughs> by a that, million uh, miles, no, that winger had him covered. There was a ringing in the Friday. <laughs> he wasn't in the final, so I think they jerried. Yeah, he, he did. He got, um, yeah, he won that by about 40 metres, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> On the Friday yeah, night. Uh, and then I had Reese Robson with the one. He um, He's improving. I know um, Gump's not a huge fan of Reese Robson, but um, I've, I'm starting to come around. I think he's actually quite a good dummy half. He's very clever with when he selects the run and um, he's linking up well with his outside men. So Beautiful. Um, let's put a... Actually, just final thoughts. Just players that stood out to you live. I've mentioned a couple, but we might just recap that. Just a little off-the-ball stuff and stuff you people who would regularly go to the footy would notice. Barn, final live thoughts on Magic Round and the setup and everything else? Oh, well, the, the ground's fantastic. One of the... <laughs> One of the bugbears, obviously, yourself and um, me did mention there, especially on the Saturday, is um, the drunken the drunken participants in the crowd that tell the ref to get someone on side after 20 seconds, 20 seconds of a game, and then you sit there for three games and you hear it out of the same person for 175 yeah. more times over the next three hours and you just want to go and throttle someone. <laughs> that, that does get a little bit grating at times. 
Um, the ground's fantastic. I've, I've never been up to Suncorp before. As you mentioned, it could probably do with a couple of little touch-ups and upgrades. It's, it's starting to age a little bit, but um, the way it's designed, it's a fantastic game, a fantastic place for football to be played. The ground held up extremely well, which um, surprised me. Uh, you didn't see a lot of people slipping and sliding. There was and, and ball control we, got a bit greasy. For those that weren't in Queensland, there was a lot of rain. It was and consistent rain. rain, and apparently it had been raining for about a week before we got there as well. So, um, how they kept that ground from completely being torn apart, I have no idea. As I mentioned, Reynolds and Hastings were two of the most um, dominant halfback displays I'd seen over the weekend. That were um, you could see the way that they they just push their team around the field. They're telling people where to be, what what's going on, a couple of plays beforehand, um, dictating pretty much every manner of play. There was some Papa Lee live was thrilling. Um, he just looks bigger than ninety five percent of the blokes mm. that are out there. You can just and that's see standing how, next to Junior Paulo. You can see how strong he is. The way that he just brushes people off like they're not there. Um, already mentioned Tavita Pengai. That was one of the most dramatic performances uh, things for me. He was absolutely, he must have been sick as a dog because he didn't look like he could run a yard after about 15 minutes of that game for the Bulldogs. Um, Reed Mahoney was an impressive player for me. I thought he was fantastic out of dummy half for Parramatta. Again, a guy that's continually barking. He's actually, his defense is really strong. Like he was hitting forwards and it might not come across as much on the TV. It sort of looks like he sort of grabs and just brings him to ground, but he was stopping guys. Like he was stopping 120 kilo blokes that were running straight at him and he was stopping them on the spot and putting them on their back, which was um, something that really stood out for me. Did did you have a couple there, mate? Well, yeah, I think of a few you've more. you've covered the others. I thought Carrigan, like I said, just his... Uh, Talked about enough in the in the match review, but he's an elite back rower. Uh, Sam Walker, very very yes, dangerous absolutely. in attack, uh, and uh, other than that, not so much from the uh, Australia leadership point of view. But Mitch Moses, every time he had the ball, he felt like something was going to happen. So I think both those halves, Tualangi was scary. Um, yeah, that was it was good to and, watch. Um, actually, and I'd say I'd say I'd say the Titans too. The other two, Mo was was good. He's an elite front rower, and Tino. It, it didn't feel like Papali a... was back to close yeah, to his yeah, best and a couple of Papali's runs. So there uh, was a couple of hits. I, I can't put names to there the was hits, a hit but in the roost. We were sitting game. three quarters of the way up the yeah. stadium, and you could hear them yeah. from three quarters yeah. of the way up the stadium. You just went, "Oh, that bloke's going to be sore tomorrow." <laughs> there was one in I think it was one in the Sharks game, one in the Chooks game, and it was yeah, you could hear them up there. It was sickening, so. and we we're sitting you know 40, 50 meters away yeah. from it. So. Yeah. Uh, overall, thumbs up, uh, boys. You, you should come do the pilgrimage next year. You'll enjoy it, uh, Ollie. You'd see plenty of uh, faces you may know. So definitely put in the calendar. On the football field, yes, probably. Yes, yes, I've seen them all as well. But um, thumbs up overall from us. Let's get to. Do you have a brave Cal this week? Oh, the brave. Um, I'm going to go with Ben Hunt. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I deserve a spot in first grade. What? No, you um, explain. <laughs> I, I think he uh, he cut this one up a little bit. I think I think he made the error which led to the tie. He did yeah. at the end there that cost yeah, right at the end. And, and he missed the tackle at the end. So, From the try. Yeah. 
Oh, in the corner? He wasn't in no, the no, corner. No, he missed it. Off the, the first ball that ran off the scrum, he missed a tackle. Uh, yeah. okay, right. And he did drop the ball to give him the ball back off the Yeah, kickoff. so Ben Hunt. I'm going to give my brace something different to the Bulldogs, only because I've just been <laughs> seeing all these things pop up on TV, saying how the players feel sorry for Barrett. If they didn't feel fucking sorry for him for the last 12 weeks and tried, <laughs> he might still have a job. Like, what the fuck? Paul Bond. Oh, and, uh, yeah, and I'll give it to Pengo apart from that, just if I'm going to name a name. <laughs> Ollie? Uh, Trent Barrett. Oh, shit. Okay, sorry. I, I thought we were talking about people. He was there last weekend. Oh. It's all right. Well, it's, it's been uh, proven as well. So I'm sure he's a very well, nice you man. You know what? I, I, I was going to make that as a joke, but I will actually go because <laughs> you're right. He was there at the time, and since he's been sacked, this is the first categorically proven – Fact, <laughs> so If only we could oh, get brave sacked. I'm doing it. In, I'm doing it in honor of Gump not being here tonight as well. Oh well, there was there was so many people around us on that Sunday that I just wanted to slap. <laughs> doing it all day, ref. It wasn't yeah, funny. The budget, first I'm going to double down just because you're going to finish ago, it. But um, <laughs> the geeks in the crowd are getting slapped from me. Just yeah, two minutes in saying you're doing it all day, like wake, and then. <laughs> And They're offside, ref. Man. And when you hear that for the seventy-fifth time in the space at thirty minutes, like you just want to start slapping people. Yeah. <laughs> it was just oh, mate, it was infuriating. The break award goes to Matty Moylan. That was the worst performance I've seen out of him. I think it's close to the worst performance in his career. <laughs> and there's a lot of those that you can fucking stack up next to each <laughs> other and put a pretty good highlights package together. So he was my break this week. You got a slap. Who? You can have it, Ollie. I think Barty's mentioned his. Yes, the crowd. So um, I'm going to, I guess, slap a, a segment of the crowd or the rugby league fandom. I'm going to slap all the Bulldogs fans who thought they were shoe-ins for the top eight at the start of the year because I feel like this is finally the the week where it, it snapped and I think they've all finally realised that their shitty daydream from pre-season where they were annoying the hell out of people saying that they're shoe-ins for the top eight just because they sign a few players. Um. I slap him, but I do it with a smile because I'm happy about it. Ha ha. I'm just happy you don't have to get a tattoo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Watch him run knife. Watch him run knife now. Watch him run knife. Cow? Um, well, I was going to slap Moylan. All right. But you can have it. Barney's already given that, but I, I, he was so bad, I just have to slap him as well. He deserves two awards. He was a disgrace. All right. We'll finish on a good one, Cal. You got a salute? Um, yeah, I'll salute. We've said it. A lot of times, but I'm I'm gonna say IPAP. Just yep. week in, week out. He just he just puts in so he just runs so hard, consistent performances, scores tries, and he's in my super coach. So <laughs> he importantly. he's a beast. All right, Ollie. He's like, you you got to say it because I see you staring at the screen. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, I, yeah, in my mind, I'm looking at me. you, but you don't know that I'm looking <laughs> at you. you can tell your players where they need to be. Yeah, there. sorry. Come yeah, on. Come on. <laughs> Bloody hell. Um, I'm going to salute Mick Potter because best of luck to you, mate. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, like with the backhanded slap on the back of that by the sounds of it. I'm going to oh, – Adam Reynolds was the best – I've already said it. He was the best player, best performance I saw over the weekend. I thought he was fantastic. Um, if he keeps playing like that, the Broncos will make the eight and they will probably give some sides some headaches come finals time. So. And I'm going to salute uh, 
I'm going to salute someone I've been quite harsh on. So if I give it, I'm going to if I I'm going to dish it out. I'm going to also salute them, and that's Jerome Luai. I thought that he had a sensational performance in a in a top of the table clash, and Absolutely looked outstanding. Did. And a bonus salute for the family that's got stuck next to us for two days and had to put up with me going the shitter every uh, twenty minutes. So <laughs> good on you, friendly Queensland family. Anonymous family yes, <laughs> um, from Magic Round. <laughs> that's our review of Magic Round. Anyone to add? Uh, enjoyed it immensely, and we'll be doing it again in the future. Absolutely. Hopefully, you blokes can come with us. Uh, we will be back with our preview of round 11 very shortly. Take care, guys, and we'll talk soon.